0: Launching on February 15th at CritAcademy.com. Visit our new web store for
1: exclusive content releases and game accessories. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes.
2: Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your guest, Alan. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your guest, Austin. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs.
0: We hope to provide you with creative content that you can use and work into your campaigns
1: and enjoy it. Yeah. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but... Neither is our D&D games. Oh, no. Nope. We're uh, <laughs> No, no, no.
2: Nope. There's uh, unfortunately uh, we don't. We have adults unless I'm running my Wednesday game at church. That one is suitable for children. So you can have, feel free to come on and join us. <laughs> I, I don't want
1: your kids. actually found our podcast. <laughs>
2: oh, no. They bugged me forever. And then it was hard to hide when it was plastered on the side of my car. <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't go too well they're like oh i hear I once, worse
0: on youtube i once ran a game for th- that had three pastors in it and a music minister
2: nice wow that seems like it would be full of lots of uh Peldins, clerks. well i was thinking uh <laughs> a perfect group of heroes who actually want to help people
0: <laughs> actually in that particular the music minister was the dm I was running a rogue, and I decided I wanted to run a filthy, foul mouth rogue that was just totally, completely <laughs> out of control. But instead of actually cussing, I made uh, index card set that said uh, religious profane explicative, <laughs> uh, sexually profane explicative, <laughs> and they got into it because we all knew what I was saying. Yep. But I didn't actually say it, so I didn't offend their sensibilities.
1: That's funny. Um, so.
2: It worked. For those of you that do enjoy the show that are listening to it right now, visit us at CritAcademy.com and check out our uh, Patreon page and all of our best-selling D&D books and supplements. Or subscribe to our newsletter and our blog to win Fat Loots every single week. I want to let you guys know that on February 15th, our lo- our website is opening our own store our own shop uh it'll be unique content that we write for you guys i completely redid the symbiote reflavor and that'll be up there the unearthed adventures volume one which is a collection of six um, one page adventures that were written by JVC Perry and myself, they are awesome. And I redid the whole outline. They look gorgeous. I sent a picture to him and he's like, Oh man, that looks awesome. I mean, <laughs> cause I was struggling. How are you going to make one page look interesting without like shrinking everything? I found a way you can find, you'll be able to find samples on when it comes out okay. there. And we're going to have uh, a special set of dice um, that have uh, <laughs> forged in the breath fire of dragons and the Arctic blast from their, you know, all that stuff. So I've got a f- collection cool of five sets of really cool dice. Um, and if this is something that everyone ends up liking, we'll gradually add more things. But I wanted to put a platform together to uh, get my content out there uh, just beyond uh, beyond DMs Guild. So yeah, I'm really excited for that. So oh, I have an announcement that I almost forgot because we talked about it in our Patreon pals just before the show. Um, Brandon will no longer be joining us as a normal uh, member. He has more response. Did I talk? Yeah, I didn't talk about it on the show. Yeah, I don't think um, so. And he has just too many things going on. So I would like to officially welcome Austin to the show. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, I did. Can we press the yeah, go ahead.
2: ahead. Yay! <laughs> I did it. <laughs> he has reached the top of the mountain and it was good. So thank you so much for joining us. You've been filling in for a while and yeah, helping out well. here and there. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, So, that being said, Crit Nation, thank you so much for joining us here today at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter.
0: Yep, that's right. Your roles are like
3: a monster without an interesting fighting style.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then you just get eye attack.
3: It's like what I do to all the doors I run into. I cast kick. (laughs)
2: I <laughs> cast kick. Yeah,
3: I usually put nails behind those doors.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: That's gonna hurt. Yeah. That's also
0: also wood doors with a bunch of spikes behind them and cast kick turns into a real nasty
2: thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna hurt. Alan, thank you so much for joining us. For those that don't know uh, Alan, I'm really excited uh, to have him on because I've quickly become a really popular fan of his due to his Fight Like a Series, and I absolutely adore the amount of work that goes in it. So that'll be our main topic today. So thank you for coming on to share uh, that, your story and your journey w- uh, with us. We appreciate that.
0: Oh, perfect. I I would love to get a bigger audience for them because a bigger audience means more people to have a better game. Yeah, that's my whole goal.
2: Fair yes, mm-hmm. I love it. um Our let's talk about blank segment. I'm really excited because DC Comics is getting into D and D. Does that make anybody that, else excited? That? Yeah, we're going to talk about it. If only there was show notes you could look at in advance to see.
4: Oh wow. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, wow, and it's then, almost like it's right there. All right,
2: and then our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, I am really excited to talk about our very long-winded, convoluted uh, monster variant, the Cobalt Blue Worm Priest. Thank you for insulting my long name. I didn't insult I, it, I
3: was just like... <laughs> It sounds like just a bunch of things mishmashed
2: together. Well, you can blame Watsy for that because I totally a, brought a monster from fourth edition to five e. So, but I'm really <laughs> excited to talk about that as well as uh, the character concept that Alan has brought to the table. Um, that being said, uh, let's start off with our "Let's Talk About Blank" segment. Uh, Alan, do you do you uh, follow the DC comic stuff at all, or the the movies, or anything like that?
0: I'm a Marvel fan. I don't like DC. Uh, you're here, not alone it's
2: just
4: not a
0: <laughs> just not my thing. they just don't seem to I won't criticize them i nice they the do their thing. thing they've got their own popular heroes but they're just not for me It's a fair, fair point
2: yep um I was real I was totally DC until they started making movies <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: I've been let down uh, too much the, Wonder it, was good. Is
0: the old when the superhero games came out. They, uh, the DC version was really hard to understand. They wanted to just make adjectives for stats, and that's really hard <laughs> to try to play or to figure out or do anything with. I'm like, give me a break,
1: people. <laughs> I know when DC, when um, Green Running Games made their adaptation for uh, DC Comics for the Means the Masterminds engines, they did receive quite a bit of criticism. I'm like, that's your stat block for that character? <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's
0: yeah when uh, uh we used to switch around for i would run the D game and when i needed a break uh someone ran a star trek th- star trek role-playing game that we enjoyed for a while hmm. and then someone else ran a superhero game Yeah. so we they would do that because we didn't want to mix if someone else ran a uh d d game then they would give out magic items and other things that maybe you didn't want in your game uh, or yeah. you have to deal with so that way we kind of kept from interfering with each other when that happened okay uh, and the lady who ran the champions game oh, was cool. under hero system so we really enjoyed that one
2: that does sound cool
1: yeah I- I- I just in the few times I've played a Star Trek game. Most of the players were kind of like a myth because most of the time they didn't do anything. And the GM's like, well, it's not your fault you didn't do anything. It's a bio science mission that's plant side, and my character's a guy who steers the ship. <laughs> <laughs> what am I gonna do?
0: That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I found that the Star Trek... Uh, the Star Trek game was actually working very, very well as a play-by-email game. Okay. at the time where you could do it and you could send some private messages to different players to they'd tell it's like you'd send the science officer a message about this that or the other thing and the hmm. navigator could work with this or other things so you'd send that and then they could introduce their own information rather mm-hmm. than just having the whole group and right. having every bit of information right in front of them
3: oh. okay sure
2: so, for those of you that don't know, uh, DC Comics is taking the bo- uh, the comic book, sor- the source book, making a D&D source book off of The Last God. Um, this is a, 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 a high fantasy sort of DC universe that they've got going on. And they're transitioning that into uh, a D&D game, which I think is really cool. Because as far as I can tell, this is very much like an Egyptian theme. Uh, okay. comic series. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, I'm about that.
3: Uh,
2: basically, it, the 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 comic itself, uh, which currently is in only its fourth issue, which means it must it's it's it must be relatively new. Yeah. um follows a quest to kill the immortal tyrant Mo Utep, which sounds very that's that's very Egyptian, right? Or the last god is what they call it um it's very dark and uh in-depth series with really no connection to the dc universe but what i'm hoping is that is them testing the waters
3: i yeah
2: to potentially bring in the hero the the hero stuff so now as far as i can tell it's not going to be like a watsy official book or anything mm-hmm. but i'm excited because this is one more the one thing that's made me really excited is is dnd has really taken off and now that big names such as dc are starting to see that that's going to bring more potential players to the game and ext- extend extend the reach even farther which is but great for all of us I
3: yeah think. and it's like you can kind of like just like have like a like a casual conversation with like people with this now like like i can remember like even just like a few yeah. years ago like if i talked about D it seemed like nobody still really like talked about it or played it or anything and like mm-hmm. nowadays like I can like go find some random person that's in like Barnes and Noble and like oh yeah I used to, I play that right now actually with my friends right now I'm like really and like yeah
2: And you and really couldn't like, you couldn't really yeah. do that you know no. 10 years ago 5 yeah. years ago yeah even 5 yeah, yeah. well <laughs> I'm, re-
0: I'm really appreciating the additional popularity because it's getting i mean Wizards of the Coast has 80 90% of the market right now mm-hmm. and there's a lot of good content, content out there with, on some of the smaller publishers and some of the very professionally done that if they had more people who were buying it, they could reduce their prices and get it going. Because right now, some of the things they want to do, I can only afford when it comes under um, whole Humble Bundle or off of uh, DMs Guild.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. But,
0: uh, Frog God Frog God puts out a lot of really good stuff, hmm. uh, mostly Pathfinder, but they've updi- updated it.
2: Okay, I'll have to and check some five, of that out. Yeah. I'll check that out. Um, yeah, their
0: whole Rapanuthic system is completely updated. Um, they've recently updated Xcrawl to Five E.
4: Huh.
1: Oh yeah, I don't. I've never heard of that. Uh, basically, it's like a picture, like a. Uh, go, go, go ahead and explain that, Alan. You're probably more familiar. With Picture him.
2: like
0: professional wrestling done, or D and D as a professional wrestling sport. Yeah, <laughs> <And laughs> you're looking for product endorsements. You're doing these, <laughs> that, the other thing to that try to get, cool. and you're smack talking. You're doing all kinds of things, crazy stuff. Okay, um, I actually won a turn, or my group actually won a tournament for the ex doing x crawl at, con- at a convention in Longview. Uh, That's cool. hmm uh, Yeah, we... Uh, I convinced everybody to take... or We were given... In the uh, intermission, we were given a choice of a potion of healing or a uh, potion of gaseous form, and I've convinced everyone to take the potion of a gaseous form.
4: <laughs> and thus,
0: we were able to bypass 90% of the traps... <laughs> because <laughs> we we're just awesome. gas
2: yeah you just float right over it that's awesome <laughs> yep float right it through was, the bars was, too
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: that's really F- cool through the
0: bars float through this and we went straight to the boss instead of having to deal with all the mis- miscellaneous garbage in the middle
2: <laughs> you sound like since, a very fun player <laughs> yeah so- it was
0: it was a nice thing i really enjoyed doing it yeah uh, <laughs> and it was a it was a good game Hmm. uh that was at uh the red red river rpg.com uh that one was actually in freeport but they've now moved it to uh longview texas and it's uh long Collins spring okay
2: Hmm.
0: so planning on being there for the year
2: Well, I think that'll do it for our Let's Talk About Blank segment. I'm really excited for the, the DC comic stuff, and I hope that that means I eventually will get to play Superman in 5e, though I could via reflavoring and being a zealot barbarian. Oh, yeah, and, I mean, that anyway. yeah. I'm Batman. bad. <laughs> uh,
0: two, two levels in fighter and then go barbarian.
2: Ooh, get the uh, action surge, right? and for the Action surge and take the dueling fighting style
0: and keep a shield, because you can still... Uh, or you can still rage with the shield. That's nice, right.
2: Smash so in the face. You're using
0: a uh, long sword f- that does, and with two extra points of damage, which makes it
2: pretty strong, equivalent
0: to the two-handed sword. And you've got a better AC.
2: Oh man, that sounds hot. <laughs> I love it. You um, got to learn how to. R- Rip the system. <laughs> Get everything you can. <laughs> Squeeze it. All right. So, before we move on to our main topic, we like to give away fat loots every single week. Um, so, this week we are giving away another copy of Smith's module dungeon tile set Arcania. Um, this modular dungeon tiles are an easy way to create your own beautiful digital maps. The Arcania set lets you make shadowy dungeon maps rich with fumes of arcane secrets. Um, and actually, I think I've talked about this before, I actually saw one of his uh, listeners print these off and put them on like a cardstock, and then they could put, put them together during ev- and mix and match them during their games and create random dungeons, which was pretty cool. Ooh. So, Who is our winner today, Austin.
3: All right. Our winner today looks like J.D. Chrisman.
4: Woo! That's
2: <laughs> Congratulations, J.D. Chrisman. If you enjoy the product, please let Lord Smith know. Leave him a review. Um, if you didn't win, don't worry. We got you guys covered. It's true. He- head on over to CritAcademy.com slash and you can get a free set of your own digital terrain and so much more from Lord Smith. So check it out. And, of course, if you won, you can still get those freebies, so you get more freebies, you get more stuff. Yeah, you can uh,
3: just keep coming back. It's, it's worth it.
2: We're all about treasure and fat loots around here. I mean, that's the whole shtick of why we become adventurers, right? So, who says we can't get our own loot? <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on to our main topic, Fight Laika with Alan McCoy. Once, did I say that right? Is it McCoy? Yes. Thank you so much. in for- Hatfield. Oh, okay, nice. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I was super excited to reach out to you when I I stumbled across your your articles and stuff, um, Alan. For you know those those people who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the realm of D anD. D.
0: Well, I guess um, start with a little bit about how long I've play been playing because I've been playing just about every edition. I started with the uh, I started ninth. 1981. Yes, that means I'm older than dirt. (laughs) Uh, I've worked with uh, every edition. I started with uh, the Holmes Box 5e set. Uh, It still had the chits in it because they didn't have enough dice to go around, so (laughs) I didn't even get my first set of dice until I had to go buy them. (laughs) Uh, And I didn't even get the colored version of the, uh, the little manual, but... I I had to do that one with the blue cover. But I...
2: And that was really
0: kind of a confusing time because TSR, Tactical Studies Rules Incorporated at that time, which was publishing D&D, they were publishing basic Dungeons & Dragons and they were publishing advanced Dungeons & Dragons at the same time.
4: Okay.
0: And that confused a lot of people because they didn't want to do... Or some people wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons. They were fr- afraid of advanced Dungeons and Dragons because I wasn't ready for the advanced stuff
4: yet. Okay. But
0: I went immediately into the advanced Dungeons and Dragons because that's what the first few modules I got were, were for. And I said, I started reading through those and figuring out exactly what it was. Played through all of that. Uh, played a lot when I was in the Navy. Um, moved on to second edition. Enjoyed that quite a bit. Played with just about everything, and of course the system continued to grow and be- evolve. Didn't really like third edition very much because I just when I was DMing third edition, I really felt like I was a, a referee rather than the DM because they had so much take, they'd taken so much of it out of it. Currently, I run well the uh, Dungeons and Dragons Fundamentals Facebook group, which was where you found my my material um i also uh, run a game online on discord because i have a weird weird schedule and i've got players are two of them are in australia one is in the our oh, wow. two are in the united states and one is in uh, i believe the netherlands so
3: i actually have a, a quick, spread if i can intervene real quick about that do do you realize that do they like uh play any differently than like uh the united states players by any chance or are they all just kind of play similarly
0: well a lot of them are uh very new players that i'm okay. bringing along so they're uh i'm giving them a few pointers and hints and suggestions as they're setting up uh the one i actually one of the players is local so he's kind of uh coaching them as they're going along and making sure they're doing he's actually playing our life cleric so he's got some stuff to to keep everybody up but he's working (laughs) uh he's the medic on standby (laughs) yeah he's on standby but he's he's also armored enough that he's actually basically the tank for the group as well clerics seem to have that kind of versatility
3: with everything
0: they they really do. It gives them a lot of extra stuff to work with, um, and then of course I, I also run a Facebook play by post game that I work with, which is very slow but has very intense role play Imagine. for people who have completely odd schedules and cannot meet anything.
1: Sure,
0: uh, we do all of our role play on Facebook, and we do all of our roles on Discord.
2: It, it, you, it's funny you you mentioned that because um, I one of the th- topics that we have not covered on the show yet is play-by-posts. <laughs> so I actually created a play-by-post in our, our Patreon Discord, and I'm going through it and doing this kind of for the first time, and it's – it's so different and it's so much more detailed. Like I get so much detail out of my players that I don't ever get at the table. Not because my players at my table are bad or anything, but because you have so much time to process what you want to do and what you want to say. Yeah. Every moment can be like a week. Yeah. Even. Yeah. So Mm. it's so interesting. So I don't want to get too much in that segue. And of
0: course, every once in a while I get to play live with our local people. They've got a, uh, Yeah we've got a club that runs a west marches style campaign i've i've dm'd for but mostly i take the opportunity to play um my players actually get our my player i had an opportunity to play last week and my uh players for my online game we switched days just so i could have the tuesday to do it <laughs> <laughs> and for that i gave them i went ahead and posted the one of the things for that particular character is he's a chronicler. He writes everything down, okay. and so I, re- I wrote down the story and I let them read it. So it's hmm. kind of a epic. I think it's like six pages long, but that's I like to write. So
4: right. which yeah,
0: is yeah. why I, which is why I do the uh, fight like a monster posts, and I've done a lot of other essay. AC- essays on other tips tricks and things you can do to sometimes to not everybody can afford to buy a ton of miniatures or to, wants to play with a ton of miniatures uh not everybody can afford to make a map or do things uh sometimes you want to look in then i mean i stole uh a trip for or a trick from critical role for using the uh bottle caps to or the uh bottle rings to mark as condition
2: modifiers. Mm. I mean, get a whole big old bag of them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh. full set. <laughs> wow. I like that. It's much more organized than the bag I have. <laughs> They're all just yeah. tossing a bag. Isn't around a carabiner.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got a whole, every colors on a different carabiner. So it works out with that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, uh, and of course, I'm enjoying the uh, D and D fundamentals group. I try to make sure that we can. Yeah, I saw a lot of people who are just not getting the gist of the game. They were. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: There's a lot of unfortunately. There's a lot of bad DMing out there because we've had so many people who, as you were talking about earlier, the game has become suddenly popular.
3: Yeah. Well, sorry.
0: There's a lot of people who are just not really knowing what they're doing just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's hard to, they don't know whether they have no difference between an orc, a hobgoblin, and a uh, gnoll. They, they're all basically raw. I was gonna stab, say,
4: stab,
2: stab <laughs> I was gonna say they all bed. die the same. <laughs> yep. Yep. I,
3: but
0: they have completely different fighting styles, right? So that's why I started writing the uh, fight like a monster post to try to give some
1: suggestions on how to do that. I'm kind of with you on that one, too, because I feel like a lot of uh, DMs out there just grab the stat blocks and call it a day. But they don't actually read the monster descriptions, where they often give tactics. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Some of them give tactics. Yep. But uh, if you read the very first few pages of the monster manual, it goes through what each monster or what the monster stuff can do.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And the first thing you've got to realize is that every monster has the same action inventory that all players do. So they can dash. They can use an item. They can do it. Uh, I had an argument with a guy not too long ago about how powerful kobolds were. He goes, well, they can't make traps that are going to do it. so who?
4: Says <laughs> they will we'll all find them. we will <laughs> find
0: those traps long before they do it. Those traps were in place a long time ago. All they're doing is flipping a lever.
2: All right.
0: Use <laughs> an item.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> fair. I like that. Yeah. So we're kind of we're kind of getting a little ahead here. There is one thing uh, I really wanted to ask you before we touch on the the fight like a series. Um, we wanted to uh, hit up this. Uh, do you want to? inquire about that
3: yeah uh do you have any uh moments where you failed as a dm or as a player or just any singular moment we can try and narrow it down i guess All right
0: um how long is your show there's been plenty <laughs> of time i've uh, fit, completely blew it uh probably the worst one i had is i had a uh, back in the oh Back in the 90s, I was running a game in my home, and it grew. And we had five players, and then we had seven players. And then my wife said, you can't have any more people in the house. (laughs) So we found a a place that was in there, and it's like, okay. Well, then we were at ten players. And the guy who was running the local game shop said, hey, I need a game room for other people too, and your go- group is just a little too big. And he actually had some bad business decisions and his <clears throat> business closing, and we had one of the uh, one of the players uh, had a uh, business that had a back room he wasn't using, and they actually built me a. Uh, an eight-foot square table to work That's with. Awesome. So you could have of room for all the players to do it.
2: That's so cool. I mean, Big table.
0: They, yeah, they took uh, so two four by eight pieces of plywood, mounted them, put them together, so they could do it. All the thing, and we ended up having you know, like sixteen players there, Jeez. but because I was no longer in control of the place. People were getting invited to the game, which I really didn't. I really wasn't comfortable with, Mm. and who were doing things that I really found not kosher, right? Or just not feeling right, feeling right about. Mm -hmm. And it, um, I stepped back and realized that a lot of my players were not having fun with all these additional players in the game. Yeah, too many cooks
1: in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. It
0: it was too many things. Plus, it was too many substances going around. Ah, Too many of of that, and it's like you know, some people are comfortable with that, some people are not. Some people want to abide these things, and some people aren't. Right. I kind of feel like, as a DM, I need to be in charge of that environment so that I can say. This is this is what acceptable behavior is.
4: Yeah. Well, well.
0: luckily we had a, a, a change of interests and a few of them were starting playing play magic the card games. So, I was able to sh- basically shut down that game when we got down to six players in my home again.
3: Okay. Well, there you go. But All kind of worked well, out, man. It,
0: it worked out, but that was a I kind of had to push it to make it happen. Right. But Losing control of your venue, losing control of what you're playing, of basically the hospitality of your room, and when players are leaving because they're uncomfortable, that's my most, that's the moment I regret regret the most.
4: Mm. And that's probably
0: where I failed the worst.
2: And I feel like there other people have probably been in similar situation, especially um, when you go to a game that's at a place that's not your home. Yep. Um, or a place that somebody is somebody else's home, and then you run into these weirdos doing some weird stuff in the back, and you're like, yeah, this is worse than my mom's basement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I'm yeah. going to get out of here. Um, yeah, so... when you realize
0: that it, if these people were not in this game, you would physically cross the street to avoid them. mm mm-hmm. <laughs> You probably shouldn't <laughs> be playing with
2: but... <laughs> Right? That's funny. So that's one of my favorite questions to ask all our guests because um, people – we all run into our own challenges. And you can – there's always something to learn from somebody else's uh, error or, or, or some event that occurred. And so um, I appreciate you uh, allowing us to go back and kind of touch on that a little bit yeah. because –
3: it's definitely a really yeah. good thing to kind of take into account that as a DM you do kind of have to like set the tone for the table. It's it's like one of those weird unwritten rules that like the mm-hmm. DM is suddenly just kind of like the boss. The boss, yep. sorry. Uh, and it's just like the the players should, in theory, of course. I mean, not it's not obviously not a hundred percent. There's always going to be those players that are kind of like, well, no, like. Fuck you! Like I'm not gonna. You know, <laughs> right? like, I don't yeah. want to play that game. It's like, well, well, unfortunately, this is a game with other, other people. Other people, yeah. So, yeah, well,
0: you do have to have the uh, proper tone, I and mean, you have sure. to make sure that everybody is comfortable. I mean, oh, I yeah. had a, uh, I had a game where I was one of the uh, players, or the DM was actually a Munich music mister, minister with Church of Christ, mm-hmm. and. Three of the players were uh, pastors in various churches around the place.
4: <laughs> True heroes there. That's
0: like it was in there, and they had a we had a nice game. You had a full set of cl- full set of classes, whatever, and I decided to play, play a uh, character <laughs> name. The character name was Antsy Worries Not.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's cool, and he was the most. Foul-mouthed, horrible speaking. Um, uh, the big joke was he he said he was, uh, he. everyone thought he was perfect in school. He was great. His teacher told him he was incorrigible.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, sounds like a lot of fun. It, yeah, it,
0: it was a lot of fun, but obviously those players would be offended by the mm-hmm. foul language that I wanted to use for my character of right, course Right. so instead of actually saying those things I made index cards and they said religious profane explicative <laughs> uh, sexually profane explicative
2: <laughs> and you held uh, him up when he said something ma- huh? yeah
4: That's
0: cool. maternally sexually profane exp-
2: explicative <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That sounds so awesome. Right? It's like, you Divine. don't even have to say nothing. you just like, Here, yeah, read the card. Divine Profane,
0: look <laughs> And it didn't actually take too long before they picked, started picking up my cards and using them as well. <laughs> just, Your character started... I, it,
3: molding their I, actions <laughs> I, was, I was corrupting the pastor. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this doesn't leave this room <laughs> So, so you, you have
0: to do what you have to do right. and I was able to do what I wanted in a way that the other players were comfortable
2: with that, and, and that's, that's something very important to yes work. right like uh, I had a recent example with one of our players I played a character who's a cannibal and he also believed the only way to stop undead from coming back is to chop off their heads. So he did a lot of that. And one oh, yeah. of the players actually said, great. you know you're getting a little too much detail with the crunchy fingers and the, the chewy ears and stuff. Could you kind of, it makes me kind of uncomfortable. So I had to brain in my characters, cannibalistic uh, things. And it went to, instead of me describing, it's like, Oh, he removes the head and he takes some uh, lunch, you know?
4: Yeah. <laughs> so, There's also, I
0: mean, uh, it's like the uh, players who want to do, I don't like the players who are just trying to describe the torture they're doing for their intimidation checks. Mm-hmm uh it? so the euphemism we use is uh i
3: put them to the question <laughs> what is the
2: answer to the question what were you and
4: saying then...
3: oh i was gonna say we also had a, another recent example because uh, we're doing descent in avernus mm-hmm. and you actually came out uh which i was kind of surprised about actually uh you kind of came out in the clear and you're like hey is there anything that because obviously this is this is hell like you know, uh, is there anything that you guys don't want me to like? You know, go in, in depth on. about or touch on? Yeah, and I was like, that's that was really cool. I was like, you kind of just like took us into account. I was it's like, true, I'm awesome.
4: Eh, well,
1: every <laughs> once in a while. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think the general consensus was, hey man, the folks don't include anything that reminds about sexual assault. We're good. Yeah, <laughs> like, and that was
2: yeah. Which I wouldn't do anyways, because what the hell?
3: Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> anyways.
2: So we're here about uh, Alan, and we were getting on our own little segue because yep, of yeah. his awesome story. <laughs> so uh, we talked a little bit already about uh, Fight Like a... I call it Fight Like a Series. Do you prefer it being called uh, Fight Like a Monster?
0: I, I, I call it Fight Like a Monster.
2: Okay, let's go with that then. So um, can, can you kind of... T- you kind of already touched on a little bit about kind of how this came to be because you, you saw that everyone was kind of treating all the, the, the monsters the same, and so you wanted a one-stop shop for that, right?
0: Yeah, I was was looking at how people were treating these monsters basically the same. They were running them from the stat block, which is not given a lot of information.
4: Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people
0: who don't have access to the full monster manual look up look up monsters on D&D or on D&D Beyond or whatever. So all they've got is the stat block. Yeah, And that doesn't give them a lot of information on how on the personality of the monster, how, and how they vary from this, that, and the other thing rather than, and the differences between them. So I said, okay, well, and I got a, I got a question from one guy about, well, he was, someone had posted a meme about a mimic and they were like, well, what, how, how, what, what, how would you run into a mimic? What would they do? Why would you say it? So I said, well, here's kind of how a mimic works to do it. And they're like, oh, well, so that's how you fight like a mimic. I said, yeah, that's how you fight like a mimic. And that was the first one. Uh And then someone else asked a question about fight like this and or well, what about, my, DM, I'm always using orcs. How do you fight like an orc? Right. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it. And I, for a while there, I was, I was uh, giving, I was referring, I was referring to them to the uh, the monsters know what they're doing website mm-hmm. for uh, Keith's book by Keith. Yep. Uh, and I have great respect for his work, and he does a lot of stuff with the actual tactics mm-hmm. but he doesn't give much on the personality right and I have agreed with a lot of things he does I, you, when I'm doing my stuff I usually review just to make sure I didn't miss something but I also there's the ones that he's done that I'm like nah you
4: know, <laughs> <that's totally wrong." laughs>
2: right
0: but that's the beauty because every DM does things differently. Of yeah. So if you look at Keith and you look at me, then you maybe you'll find something you like.
2: The one thing that really jumped out about me, about yours, was when I was reading through it, the first one I stumbled across was the Mind Flayer. And as I'm reading through this, I'm like, holy crap. There is so much more to a Mind Flayer than just popping your brain out with their, their tent- tentacles and shit yep. and, and their manipulativeness. But you're, I mean, you wrote like three pages. Like I didn't realize how much it was from your Facebook post, but I liked it so much. I wanted to make it pretty. So I went and I gave it this nice layout. and I was like, man, you wrote a lot. There's way more than seen in the monster manual in here. Um, And so yeah. it got me so excited because it made me reading through it. I wanted to immediately build an encounter with Mind Flayer's the, as the centerpiece. I wanted to run a Mind Flayer adventure because there was so much. You did such a good job of describing how they would behave and what their motivations are and why they kind of do the things they do. Which isn't something I generally think about. I'm just like, okay, well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, this Mind Flayer manipulates people. I'm going to yeah. use him. But I. it really yeah. it drew me in. And all of your your stuff is like that.
0: Yeah, because you got to. They all have every monster has a goal. Mm-hmm. If they don't have if they don't have a goal, if they don't have something they want and they need, then they're a cardboard cutout to be knocked over by a player.
2: Right. It, it almost it,
0: becomes it, immemorable too, yeah, right? But
2: some people do like that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just so you guys. No.
0: Yeah. 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 But I mean, some monsters should be cardboard cutouts because not everything can have a super personality. But right. they should have something special to make it to where it isn't. Oh, uh, well, I swing my sword and he's done. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. It, it's got to be, you know, when you've got goblins who will stay 40 feet away and they will uh, shoot an arrow and then they'll take their cunning action to hide or like maybe and, and run away to someplace else. Mm-hmm. And you got to find those suckers before you can kill them. Yep.
1: Well, that, and for every doesn't work you encounter, there's always a Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> he,
2: he doesn't get the reference, but Dennis is all about just pain. It's <laughs> funny you mention that, though, because I built a monster variant for the Goblin called the Goblin Napper. And I gave him a dart gun, and the dart basically ha- had the same effects as the Sleep Spell. But it triggered a round late. So if they didn't spot him after he made the attack, and he I hit again... They wouldn't know what happened besides they took one point of damage until like the next round and they would like drop and he's already hidden or gone or or in a different location, which made them very troublesome. They weren't very powerful. The players were like level like uh, three or four at the time. But this little goblin was a terror because they couldn't find him in the bushes like those raptors in Jurassic Park, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah.
0: Next time, put him on a... uh Put them on. a have them hiding in trees and moving around from tree to tree on top oh, with rope awesome. ladders, and oh. then uh, getting the players into a central area to looking for them. And then they drop boil or they drop oil on them and fight. Light it
2: up, Oh dude. Can
3: goblins ride kobolds?
2: Uh. N- n- why not? No. I'm in uh, that boat. I don't Well, it depends no. on like depends on the kobold, I guess. Gob-
3: goblins
0: are medium-sized creatures. Oh, damn, it, they are. And kobolds are small-sized creatures.
2: Oops. Goblins uh, are bigger than I remembered. A kobold or a goblin can ride a hobgoblin. No, hobgoblin's still medium, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. No, you'd
4: I, want a yeah, hobgoblin to ride, yeah,
3: think can ride a good. wolf. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. See, cuz that that would be like Fun, because then you can't run from it.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it outrun you.
3: And then they, have, and then he has a little uh,
2: sleep. Door goes. And, he's like, and then they pass out as they're running.
0: Yeah. What'd you say? Your favorite Gob- goblins can also take the dash action. Yes. So if you as a bonus actually action. get close enough to them to do it, you can. They can take can the dash action, and they're out of your out of there. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. they're little fast little bastards. All right. Yep.
1: And what'd you say? You're. Get... Sorry. And then they'll just run yeah. away from you. <laughs>
3: Right. Gotcha, gotcha. All right.
1: Mm-hmm. What'd you say your favorite monster you have written about is and why? <laughs>
0: uh my the one I enjoyed the most and I, I I liked the most was probably the most thorough one I did the first was the uh, fight like a devil and I used a bone devil. Nice.
4: Ooh. And
0: I did that because Avernus was coming out and I, and it was Halloween time coming out as well and and I had to I had to explain the devil's mindset to mm-hmm. people because when you're talking about devils, it's all about what are their orders, mm-hmm. hmm. what have they been told to do. If they're there, they've got a purpose. They've got a something. They've got been ordered to do. They're going to be doing it, and then you realize, and that's what they're going to do and what they're going to set up their powers for.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you realize that the uh, the bone devil. Can fly. I didn't know that. I was also unaware. They stay 10 feet and they've got a, uh, I think it's a flying speed of 40. So they stay 20 feet up, they swoop down, take an attack, and get out of there. So you can't even touch them unless you've got range weapons to work with.
2: Or or ready action. You can ready ready your
3: action. That's true. As like he comes that. in, you can just ready your sword like a baseball bat and like, no, nah, come back down. Yeah, ready, ready action,
0: ready
2: action can work. I like that. No players uh, ever think of that though. No.
0: <laughs> but the boy, you also have to beat their initiative to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, because you can't, you can ready your action, but if you're not ready for your their initiative to do it, and there's also, uh, it's probably proper to give proper to give them the. Uh, the flyby mm-hmm. action or flyby ability, which uh, spine devils have, which they can summon, by the way, which they're immune to opportunity attacks.
2: Right. When they swoop in, and they
0: swoop in attack, and fly out.
2: That was so. one of the other things that I loved about your um, your your fight like a monster series is uh, you also give at the end of them you always give here are some features that I think you really should give this monster to really amp it up or make it really feel, um, dangerous and threatening and flyby is a good example of that. Hmm.
0: Yeah. It's not a, I mean, not for every monster because some of them are pretty well, but some of them are like, you know, um, they missed this. They didn't do that. They didn't describe this.
4: Hmm.
0: And, you know, the monster manual had a, had a page count that they had to work with.
2: Yeah. They could I can only put so that. much in it. Right.
0: And yeah. I'm sure things got cut that they wanted to add, but it just didn't work. Yeah. So. Gotcha. It's a business decision. That's the thing that most people have to remember about Wizards of the Coast is they are first and foremost a publishing company. Right, I'm not
2: making that dollar bill, y'all. They're
0: all about making their money, and they're all about selling their books. Mm-hmm. And they're all so they're not the guardians of the game. Right, they're not. Their primary purpose. They want a good game. Right, but if it'll sell a book, they'll twi- They'll twist a rule. That's, That's true, or they'll forget a rule. So it's just one of those things that. We have to be the guardians of our own game. Right. We have to control what we're doing.
3: Right. Um, um, uh, can you actually uh, walk us through the uh, process of development for your uh, your essays and whatnot? Uh, well, that's pretty
0: easy. The first thing that I uh, read those first few pages of the uh, Monster Manual again to make sure I'm looking at all the... I know exactly what all the actions they can have can actually do. Okay. Then I read the entire description of the monster. And if I've got enough there, I start working on it. But sometimes I'll go back to the fourth edition of monster manual or the third edition monster manual or the first, second edition monster manual until I get what I really feel like is a good understanding of what the monster is. Is
3: just to kind of pull and some information like, from like past sources and stuff. I can get that right,
0: yeah. You get exactly what's going on with it and so forth. Uh, there are some especially good, <clears throat> good resources in second edition about, um, uh, oh, like the uh, Van Richten's guides were wonderful, and they actually that they those books tempered my DMing style so much because the first thing they kind of put out is that the monster manual is the starting point.
4: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: From there, you build the monster you want, but it's still a starting point. If you want, yeah, you've got a vampire, but and vampires can be staked. Well, if you've got an elven vampire, does it have to be, and you want to say if an elven vampire has to be staked with Holly, you can do that. Just because it's in the book that way doesn't mean that it has to be, or the monster manual says this, doesn't mean it has to be that way. And you can Mm -hmm. make things pretty unusual, and you can make your uh, entire game, you can vary the monsters and make things more. Right. You can run a better game to do it. Um, Second edition was out for a lot of years, so it had a lot of time to develop that type of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So I usually look at 2nd edition stuff, especially when I'm building the personality of the monsters. But then I go through and I look... I build the Fight Like a Monster Encounter specifically based on 5th edition because that's the current edition of the game. And that's the one that has got us hundreds and thousands of, and hundreds of thousands of new players who want to play the game. And that's why I build them for, the current, the current system.
4: Right. Because right.
0: you have to work with what, you have to work with what's there. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. First, I
1: understand that. So,
2: okay.
1: I feel like you're. Good. Uh, I feel like you already touched on this somewhat, but what, where would you say you get a lot of your inspiration for your e- e- development? Um, sometimes it's requests. Okay. Some
0: place uh, Some someone on my uh, fundamentals website has asked. Well, what about this one? Um, Yeah, I had one lady that asked me for the genies. And I love those. That was a far, that was a tough project because I had to do all four genies. And yeah, Keith and I had disagreed big time on a couple of those. (laughs) (laughs) But in order to do them properly, I also had to do the elementals.
3: Interesting. Oh, yeah. Because Cause they, they,
0: they can summon the elementals. So I had to work with how they're going, how the elementals would work to do things. And, you know, they've got some really neat things that sh- they can do to make themselves really, really nasty. Um, sometimes I just open the book and I flip through and I go, oh, that one looks interesting
3: or i <laughs> i feel like that's uh, what you did with the obelisk you like look yep. around you're like oh man that looks cool i'm going to make an adventure about yeah, it yeah
2: that's how i started my underwater adventure with the obelisk and its poison i was like oh, it's poison makes you only breathe underwater i'm building an underwater adventure with that so totally worked out i by totally, the way. totally, was, totally get get it it
3: was yeah. tough but yeah, man i, it was I totally cool, completely
0: it was cool. abused that uh, because i was considered an expert dm <laughs> and so forth i kind of cheated and i cast water breathing on a creature on a sea creature Uh, all right i cast water breathing on an air creature and i drowned him in air
2: that actually is most of the premise of the adventure is these these people in the village are dying of asphyxiation and nobody knows why it's because all the obelisk minions are poisoning the water supply with its mucus and so they're drowning on the land so
4: yeah.
0: But awesome the, monster. It was actually really cool. in in second edi- second edition it actually specifically states that that spell can't do that. But I got away with
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> I did it anyway cuz I'm the DM. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, because I was the, because I was the <laughs> More experienced DM, and they like, well, he won't, he won't,
2: change. <laughs> he won't change nothing at all. <laughs> uh,
4: not at all. He knows
0: he knows this. He knows this spells backwards and forwards. He's not going to do it. And I was actually um, two so, sheets to the wind.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like some of the challenges that you run into are just tied to monsters that uh, are tied to other monsters, or don't have enough information for you to you to work yeah. off, so you end up having to um, dig deeper and deeper and deeper to find uh, this sort of information. And I noticed that when I was reading the Mindflayer, is there was stuff in there that I don't think was in the Monster Manual that that I just wasn't aware of, and I that I, that had to have come from somewhere else. I just honestly assumed you just kind of went with it and made it up, but it sounds like it's full of uh, research from all the previous editions. editions and, yeah, which, which is actually is a, a great idea. I was going to say it's a really just, good.
0: Uh, Plus some uh, modules and so forth and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that was from uh, there was a the draw of the Underdark. Uh huh. They covered mind flayers pretty extensively that in the second edition. You
3: know, I guess I never really thought about that, but yeah, I guess it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. very so cool. So
0: he, yeah, he would have to work with it to see. Um. Now, sometimes I was. I was watching the the Discovery Channel and I saw that saw they were doing uh, the wolves in Yellowstone. So that's how "Fight Like a Wolf Pack" came about.
3: <laughs> there you go,
0: love it. That's smart. Because I was like, you know, everyone thinks a wolf pack is a
2: lie. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. That that uh, advantage on potentially every attack can be freaking savage.
3: Yes, yes um do
4: you you actually have they're
3: going
0: i mean you look at the pack tactics that are the tactics that a pack would use where they're basically surrounding you and they're coming in from one side and moving around and they're always helping one another to fight yeah Hmm. and under the direction of the alpha and you go these guys are dangerous yeah Mm -hmm. and they get real dangerous real quick uh and especially when you consider, like, a pack of 10 is a <laughs> deadly encounter for five, and the Ooh, Yellowstone had,
3: for fifth-level characters. Yeah, and us yeah.
0: And when Yellowstone's current biggest pack is 36.
3: Holy shit! That's actually terrifying. That's way more than I ever would <laughs> yeah. have imagined. I can't even imagine. The average imagine pack, the average pack in Yellowstone right now has
0: twenty in it. <laughs> oh my god! But the biggest one has thirty-six. <laughs> That's. And you can imagine if Ooh, they that decided they would be get, they were getting hungry. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> you were prey. Yeah, I always like to use them to grab, uh, to grab like smaller players and just drag them away. <laughs> like they yeah. grab them in their jaws and just drag them away, and the other ones protect them.
3: Oh my goodness. Well, that's actually a
0: really good thing a really good thing to consider because a lot of the smaller characters have some serious advantages
4: mm-hmm.
0: until you start thinking about how many things can grab them and go. he <laughs> just
3: run away. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> pick him up with one arm or,
2: you know. Where's Billy? No. Well, uh, Billy?
0: Well, <laughs> take, take an Ankek. I he love pops those guys. Up. He's hanging under un- under the ground, pops up, grabs Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and goes down underneath. Uh, bye, Bob. It doesn't even slow him down.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Johnny, Um, that Bob is gone, so you need to roll up Rob, his brother, because
3: he's gone. He's not coming back. He's going straight to the nest. It does
0: actually leave a, leave a loose tunnel behind that you can follow down to get it.
2: And then collapse it
4: on. But,
0: yeah. Maybe it'll collapse. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you guys can dig out, but at least... You've got a chance to save him.
4: Yeah.
0: If uh, you want to go
3: into a loose tunnel underground. We'll yeah. get there. We'll get there eventually. Uh, do you have a uh, favorite resource that you use when creating a fight like a monster series? Which,
2: I mean... I guess we probably already touched yeah. on this a little
3: yeah. Monster Manual is number one.
0: Yeah. because you've got to look at that. And of course, I do look at Keith's book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll give him a plug. It's right there. Yeah. there it is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Oh my gosh. Wow. Geez. That
0: this is a big ass book. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like I, I knew I knew his book had a lot of content, but when you physically see how thick it is. Yeah. I and, I hope but, but like I, I of said, I respect I
0: respect the man's work. <laughs> I disagree with some of it.
2: And that's okay. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. And that's okay. Because every DM has their own style. Yeah. Of course. And some of the things he's done, I mean he didn't think the oh, uh, uh, like the uh, Earth Genie was too much. It was doing too much when, or he basically said it's completely a worthless monster. Weak, weak. But then I, if he grapples you and then takes you, uses his burrow speed and takes you underground and leaves you there, <laughs> you're on his turf now. <laughs> Wonder. who's weak now you're 10 feet underground
2: <laughs> i did uh we did a uh a, a maybe stone <laughs> we did a, a monster variant called the amphibulate which is basically the bulet but it could swim and breathe underwater so the whole idea behind that is it would jump out grab attack people on boats and then dig into burrow into the underneath the water so it, it filled with water as they were burying and the players would like drowned <laughs> I'm savage. <laughs> <laughs> this is brutal. Yep.
1: That reminds me of when me yeah. and my friends were watching uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, when the uh, King Ghidorah was, was flying after the boat the main characters were in. Uh-huh. I for this Godzilla suddenly to pop out of the water and grab him and pull him down to the ocean. I'm like, oh crap, son, you're on Godzilla's turf now! Jesus <laughs> <laughs> just...
2: <laughs> Bye. You uh, are yeah. so screwed! <laughs> So it, there is just so much um, you have managed to to put together with this, and and a, clearly a lot of work goes into it. Anybody that's read, it, if you guys are not following him at Dungeons and Dragons Fundamentals uh, Group, please do so. Um, I like I said, I read the first one. I read instantly hooked me. Uh, I knew that you were a great writer, and the ideas were just full of. Awesome! That yeah. I was li- almost—I'm pretty sure I might have actually literally drooled, uh, because <laughs> yeah. I was enjoying it so much. Oh!
0: Well, the, those are not the only articles there, because I've got some, well, a lot of player tips to mm-hmm. do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have gotten uh, hate mail for the, my fight like the monsters. There's always going to be a few. There's always there are con- one. people who are contacting me on try or trying to contact me on Facebook Messenger, <laughs> but. My DM's using this, and now I died. My mage character is <laughs>
3: gone. Wow, <laughs> oh, it's almost like you should have you should have played your
2: character a little better. Yeah, not every fight yeah. is meant
3: to be well
2: ra- or t- just t- taken on directly. Yeah, run away. Yeah, you can. You can uh, in, in,
0: in in my defense, I created. I oh, said, okay. you know, you got to tell the if you're going to ta- tell them how to play the monsters better, you got to tell the players how to play their characters better. That's true. So I wrote Fight Like an Adventurer.
2: I have not read that yet. I need to do that.
0: And I actually put it up as a PDF so people could, write, could download it and read it. Because it's another really long one.
2: To, <laughs>
0: <laughs> hate to say it, but I go through the... Uh, basically, there's six positions for any party. And mm-hmm. if you're going to put together an effective party, you need an anchorman. You need a skirmisher. You need a... Uh, a lurker. Oh, I call it a spell chucker. <laughs> a,
4: <spell
0: checker. laughs> uh, a boost, da- uh, burst damage people. Mm-hmm. Uh, a sniper is always good. And uh, of course, support people mm-hmm. to work with. You don't have to have all of them in every party. Right. But if you got it, and sometimes your burst damage will turn into skirmishers for a while. But if you don't have it all set up to do it, you're not going to the more you have the better you're gonna be able to handle the bigger variety of challenges right right, right. and it also kind of divides when you have your session zero and you sit well who wants to play what it gets you well if you've got three tanks in the party they're like well I'm here to stand and fight the really big monster and the next guy is like but I'm gonna do that. No, I'm gonna do that.
4: Well, <laughs>
0: who's gonna be? We don't have a priest, or we don't have a healer.
4: <laughs> no, we
2: <don't.
0: laughs>
3: uh, we don't have healers around here. I
2: got some potions. <laughs> hey, sh- uh, shit doesn't work.
3: <laughs> so, I'm if the- you get, if you take
0: advantage of it and you balance your party out a little bit, and you say, okay, who wants to play which role? That'll get. That'll give your group a lot better
3: success
2: yeah. sounds like we're gonna have to have you on to talk about uh fight like an adventurer
3: yeah just uh, yeah. Have yeah. a, a so, little solo with that in general yeah,
0: yeah. so I, bubble I mean I've got an article about uh, how to get invited back to a group
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could use that one people hate me I'm not popular you know you
0: things you do to get get back to a group uh, how to uh, want to cry I've got an article on how to speed up combat and make people go through and do some things. So I've got a lot of things up there for that are not just fight fight like a monster.
2: Yes, definitely follow
0: him. Because I'm trying to teach people... I mean, we got a lot of new DMs out there trying to do things. I've been playing this game for 30, uh, over 30 years now. I'm going to have... There's things that I can say. Yeah, uh, um, almost 40 years now. So there's things I'm going to be able to get that I do automatically that's going to be there. I mean, no one is ever going to... It would be insane to do some of the things I've done in gaming. I once ran a, ran a uh, game at a con where I was DMing 67 players.
3: I don't with think four, I could do that.
0: With four assistant DMs. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> It was a damn.
3: Uh, That's all I yeah, can say about it. Yeah, that. like damn. Um, yeah, it was a wow.
0: It was a maze where it was a single them um, or a soul survivor thing, right? But it, but it was people would uh, stop by at the. Uh, I mean, they would turn in their move every twenty minutes or so at the con, and we'd get them around. I built a big thing out of blocks for them to work and. Move the miniatures around that they could see, and then we would give them what they could see. But we had everybody
2: on it. That's cool.
0: It was crazy. Uh, I think I uh, did like three liters of Mountain Dew that day.
2: <laughs> so um, we're kind of uh, we're uh, running into uh, time. So uh, I do have uh, uh, or Ian, you have a question before we move on
1: to the Unearthed tips and tricks. Got right. you any uh, secret projects in the can right now? I have been looking at the underwater rules. Ooh.
0: Because the ones in the DMG suck.
2: <laughs> it's like, yeah, they suck. They're, I mean, they're, great.
0: they're, they barely touch on a lot of things like movement, light. Uh, I mean, yeah, they touch on, you've got to breathe, but uh, movement, light, pressure, the rest of that stuff and I'm thinking you know I need to get the players if we're going to run uh, I've had several players who've requested underwater monsters well if you're going to fight underwater monsters you need better rules for writing underwater encounters so that's kind of what I'm looking for and kind of what I'm wanting to see is to do it
2: I think there won't, give be, you a, they won't uh, be
0: rules written but maybe right. there'll be something that people could They'll be useful. And I'm going to try to keep within the simplicity of 5e. Yeah.
2: I think Ian has a player tip for everyone when it comes to being a melee player underwater. Summon the shark? No. Grab a
3: spear? Grab a spear. (laughs) Grab a spear.
2: How how many (laughs) monsters did you fight with your big weapon before you realized you could just take one of the spears from the dead guys?
3: Well, you see, I never think about just like literally taking a spear from a dead person. (laughs) But after I realized that I could have. You know, not disadvantaged wielding On this every giant attack. halberd. bird. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I can just take a spear and just stab a guy with this.
1: <laughs> Wait a second, yeah. they're using those. <laughs> yeah. Can't imagine why. So,
0: if you've ever scuba dived, spear guns work, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds really, really awesome. I'm excited to see where it goes with it. Um, if you're interested, I'd be happy to send you uh, what I've written for the underwater adventure, and I'd love to hear your feedback because it sounds like sure. you're, you are just full of awesome ideas. And I can always welcome more awesome ideas. Um, yeah. I know. I,
0: I'm also uh, looking at uh, a, my first adventure DMing project, mm-hmm. writing some adventures that are specifically designed for uh, DMs that have never DMed before. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that's a ways down the road. It's because I kind of, I, I fly by the seat of my pants when I do my adventuring most of the time
2: me too
3: there's always
2: honestly the one thing i want to do is once we're done with the Sentinel avernus i just want us all to sit at a table and do a total improv game okay i think i could do that that would be fun so Uh, uh, what uh, you should do is
0: a hot seat game
2: oh where the dm changes regularly
0: yeah well every uh every hour you switch to the hour you (laughs) you switch to the right
2: it's like musical DMs, <laughs> musical oh, yeah. chairs, but for DMs. <laughs> someone
0: oh, get every time you finish Ooh. an encounter, the you're playing. Uh, you get to play Bob and he gets to play Rob and he gets to play Jeff and he gets played <laughs> and you get to play the DM and the next hour. You're playing Rob.
2: Oh, that bastard before me used all my spell slots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Time to get
3: creative.
4: <laughs> yeah. That can just bring up so many interesting challenges, though. That's always
3: Uh, a really fun game when you've got the... uh, the, I imagine the right set of people definitely matters about it, but... Yeah. yeah. But But the the round robin is
0: amazing when it works, and it's funny as all get out.
2: (laughs) It sounds awesome. (laughs) Um, So I think that'll do for our main topic... Um, Before we move on to our honor Tips and Tricks, which we know is everyone's favorite part of the show, I know it's mine. What is it? The the secret sauce to the episode. Um,
3: (laughs) It's the little goodies at the end.
2: It is. We have another gift to give away. Woohoo! So. You can revolutionize your game with the collection of 28 villainous NPCs from a small fry to a world ender. Eight of which... Include maps, details, and their layers. Sinister side quests, terrifying overlords, and bounties, one shots, and more lie in wait inside Villains and Layers 2 by Jeff Stevens. 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 So, Alan, who is our winner today? Musky Pimp 47. <laughs> That's
3: a tag if I ever heard one. <laughs>
2: oh, definitely. Congratulations, Musky Pimp. <laughs> you enjoy Villains and Layers, uh, please leave Jeff Stevens a review. If you didn't <laughs> win, no problem. We've got you guys covered once again because we all know adventurers love fat loots. Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Jeff Stevens and get Villains and Layers 3 free.
4: And now,
3: what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and
4: DMs.
2: So our character concept comes from you, Alan. Thank you so much for bringing this. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit? I, I was trying to think of a cool name for this. Uh,
0: I I actually we I I like it. I call it the Spotter. Works. Uh, when you've got so many t- so many monsters like to hide, uh, I started with a high elf, and or a high elf rogue, and I took expertise in perception and investigation uh utilizing those and the high elf ability of the dancing lights con- cantrip
4: mm-hmm.
0: uh from there you move on to rain or you take start taking levels in ranger and you hide with pride <laughs> and with pride. you use your uh you use your dancing lights ability to mark the enemy that your players are going to fight.
2: Who needs a because... ranger?
0: <laughs> so you get a uh, you're getting in there, you're working it, and you get the uh... the nasty thing about monsters is they are fully effective until they have no hit points left. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is true. That needs to be a t shirt. <laughs> If it's got one hit point, it can still attack full all the way.
4: Oh man. If it's got
0: zero hit points, it's down. So it's better to attack. I call it the surround and down. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're marking one target and you you can make dancing lights, different colors. So that's the red guy and he's (laughs) the red target and your players go in and you get it in. Uh, and because you're, I what you, as you get up in levels, you're going to pick up the uh, you're wanting to do gloom so you get longer
2: dark vision, uh,
0: yep. longer longer dark vision, and but you can start adding your wisdom to your perception, so, and it's you can you're adding a few more levels of rogue until you get to uh, you pick up the assa- assassin. And then you can take all of your, uh, as long as you're attacking first, your arrows are uh, critical hits. Which is so strong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So all of your arrows are critical hits, and they're also sneak attacks. Mm -hmm. They're sneak attack critical hits. And... You can move those. uh, You can continue to move those uh, dancing lights around to whoever. So, if while your party's attacking this guy or that guy, you're dropping. Oh, you see that mage or that cleric who's trying to trying to. You're you can take him out until they can get to him. So, and as you get higher and higher, you can start working that working and getting that up really. It becomes a really effective uh, sniper observer, is ah. what the special special forces call it. So you're a sniper observer. You're sitting there telling people, "This is the guy to kill," and this guy's trying to hide over here. Um, your passive perception is through the roof. I can so only imagine can you. hide from you. Uh,
2: you know, this is. I have been playing d and a long time. I clearly don't have as much experience as Alan here, but never have I ever considered using Dancing Lights as a marker. Not once. Yeah, never.
3: Yeah, it's always just kind of like... You always think of it as just like floating lights. You just kind of throw out and it just kind of lights up Yeah, and
2: most people don't take it because they argue that regular light is better because you can put it on a coin and throw it and whatever and carry it on your field. I don't like light as much. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> but anyways, I've never considered having it float above the target when it's dark and just like follow them wherever they go.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And then you're, you're a gloom stalker, you so you're you hiding. F- advantage there. You get
0: four of them so you can follow a lot of people.
2: That's awesome. So
3: can you can separate them?
2: Yep. Yeah. Oh you, wow! That, you
0: can separate you can them. Mark four dudes. And, and, like, yeah, and yeah, you don't spotlight. get a lot of light from any particular one of them, but you can still identify somebody who's right. standing <laughs> under a spotlight right
2: it. <laughs> Yeah. Very cool. I like this. I like this character concept so, a lot. Thank you.
0: It's just one of those things that you think, okay, how can you find a an archer? I mean, everyone like, oh, I want to be an arcane archer. I can do more damage with my sniper and my spotter. <laughs>
2: it's true. Yeah. I I stalkers
0: are powerful, though, too. Spotter. They are. They are
3: very interesting.
0: Uh, you get them up to uh, oh level 8 and 4 levels in rogue and 4 levels in uh, thing. And you're doing 2d6 no, uh, sniper attacks or sneak attacks. Or mm-hmm. and if you can get up to level ten, where you get multi attack, now you're doing the extra on your or two arrows and the extra Gloomstalker damage as well.
4: Uh
2: huh. Like, so it's a really great build. I, I thank you so much for sharing. I honestly. Um, if I decide to run uh, uh, if I get to run a character, I totally want to do this. I'd have to be a little bit higher to get right into there, but even then, running a low-level character with dancing lights, I'm on that. I'm on that. Mm-hmm, That's yeah. I'm never gonna let that go. That's a fantastic. Yeah, I mean, tip.
0: everyone says wolf or goes, oh well. If I'm gonna build a ranger, I want to do wo- a wood elf because I get the plus one wisdom. No, you want the high elf getting a plus one intelligence
2: because. That dancing lights makes all the difference. Right, right. Really so, does. So I think that'll do it for our character concept, the spotter. Austin, I like the that?
3: name for it, too. Just yeah, makes it makes a lot of sense. Very very clean.
2: Yeah. Austin, would you like to tell us about our monster variant? Sure.
3: Today? Our monster variant today is the Kobold Blue Worm Priest. Uh, the origin is from the Cult Fanatic. Uh, a worm priest is a leader among kobolds, one that constantly supports and reinforces their underlings' faith in their patron. It leads their contingent as contingent. Wow, oh, is contingent as Did not I spell only it wrong? no, it was right. Oh, <laughs> uh, as not only a battlefield commander but also their spiritual leader. Their magical support can reinforce their allies and lay waste to their foes. Each worm priest is different in that the elemental form of its attacks is based on the type of dragon the worm priest serves or reveres. So, uh, serves. That should definitely not yep. be servers. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh,
3: it's the type of dragon the worm priest serves or reveres. Our mistake. Um, for example, a kobold worm priest working for a blue dragon's, uh, working for the blue dragons, I guess, uh, deals lightning damage with its energy orb attack. So, it gains a new feature uh obviously the in this case since it's a blue worm priest it gains lightning breath it's a recharge six
2: yep gotta we may can't do five or six because it's a little bit yeah just, it's
3: a little, a little strong yeah uh the worm priest exhales a destructive force of lightning in a five by 30 foot line each creature in the area must make a dc 14 dexterity saving throw taking seven or 2d6 uh fired lightning damage
2: oh hey justin <laughs> on a failed save
3: or half as much damage on a successful one. Uh, just replace the Sacred Flame with Shocking Grasp and Inflict Wounds with Chromatic Orb. Uh, only use the Lightning element.
2: What do you think about this, Alan?
3: It's got some real potential,
0: but uh, I can see the Lightning going with it really, really well. Um, I have done Fight Like a Kobold, so allies will make him very, very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yes, To get it going in. Um, I'm very. I like having kobolds in service to dragons. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't like using dragons in my game. I mean, the game is called Dungeons and Dragons for a reason. So dragons should be special. Uh I almost never. uh,
3: You kind of save them for a moment. I just pardon? I said, uh, you, do you just kind of like save the dragons for like a very special moment then, I assume? Uh, I save them. I have actually never put a dragon
0: in my game unless the players have s- sought one out.
4: Hmm.
3: Huh. And, and
0: the one time they did it, uh, it, they got completely devastated by it.
2: Good. They're strong. They <laughs> unsurprisingly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, and it was because they should. Uh, I will never give a random encounter with a dragon. And when I do do put one out, there's no such outside of a dragon lair. There's no such thing as a young dragon mm-hmm. or a hatchling. Everything is mature or more, hmm. because I want them to be tough. I want them to be something you're in. I mean, that's one of the reasons. If if dragons need to be epic.
4: But yeah, they have, so.
0: and they have epic servitors, and a worm priest who has special, who's gotten special blessings from their dragon
2: mm-hmm.
0: because they've t- t- consider them virtually their god.
2: Right, right. So yeah, it makes
0: perfect sense. Yeah. That yeah, that has uh, some real potential there. I like the mm-hmm. idea.
2: Hmm. So, would you use this monster in your games, or?
0: Uh, I would have to, it'd have to be the right situation and everything else. I mean, it's not going to be a common monster. Right. But, and I would probably also throw in a full tribe of kobolds to go with them. I like it. With Mm -hmm. all their traps and so forth, (laughs) which, um, everyone thinks, well, kobold traps will be really, really easy to find. Uh, I could disarm those in a heartbeat because they're so level level. Uh Uh-huh. Kobolds have the use action.
2: Yeah. All Tucker's they have to Cobolds, do is man. Tucker's Kobolds, best article in the world to read. Yes. <laughs> little bastards are dangerous, so. Yeah. I really like this. I like the idea of uh, doing the, the whole entire tribe of something like this, and then you mentioned the traps, having like a, a, a single hallway with like sticky tar, and then when the players get stuck in it, there's like five of these little bastards at the end who open their maw and crackling lightning just blasts out.
3: Yeah. Good luck getting out of that dexterity saving throw. Right.
0: <laughs> now put them into. Don't put sticky tar. Put them in uh,
3: six inches of water. Ooh. Difficult terrain.
2: Slow them down. They can't get out. And
3: plus, it's lightning anyway. So then the water <laughs> electrocutes them anyway.
2: Uh, and then
0: you can give them no set, sa- or you can give them major disadvantage on their on save saves, because sure. they're uh, in a conductive environment. Right, yes. Right. <laughs> Because um, that's the way they ble- that's
2: the way they would roll. Yeah. Right. Um. So I think that'll do it for our monster variant. Our encounter of the podcast is bio warfare. Sounds um, cool. A small but heavily fortified town of waywood uh sorry the small but heavily fortified town of waywood has recently been under attack by fiends the town has been on lockdown and messengers sent uh have been sent to seek out adventurers to help end the assault under waywood's baroness ellis uh sinley uh, uh a female noble uh halfling nobody who enters the town is allowed to leave without her permission For their own protection. The characters arrive to see a near endless corpses outside the town's walls. While it appears that it's mostly demons, there is extensive amount of casualties from the city militia as well as civilians. While the adventurers are dealing with the demon threat, a kidnapped guard returns. Unbeknownst to anyone, it has been infected with a sewer plague or some other disease to help soften them up for the demons.
3: So not only... Are you battling these god-awful demons, because they're demons, and they're awful to deal with, uh, you now have this other thing where now you have to deal with the bubonic
2: plague? Yes. Well, <laughs> the one thing that players do a lot, at least in my experience, they like to, they like to take long rests, and they like to take short rests, and they like to take a rest here, take a rest there, here rest there, rest everywhere, rest, rest. While well, what happens when one of the people are sent in, by the demons with a disease. The longer the players take to return, the more severe it'll be. Hmm. And okay. it might when by the time they come back, it might be almost the entire village.
3: Just being hit with this yeah. plague.
2: Ooh. Yeah, what do you think? Uh actually, Ian, what do you think?
1: Biological warfare is definitely an aspect you don't see come up too much, so. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's something I wanted to include. It sounded
2: all uh, really nasty. What do you think, Alan? Uh well, lesser restoration
0: is a second level spell, so Mm -hmm. it's uh, got real potential, especially if you've got paladins because paladins five point five they can spend five points of uh,
4: their lay on hands to
0: do a lesser restoration, and that's going to help some. But then there, but the question I have is, what are the demons after? Ah, what are they? There it is. Where are they? Why are they there? Because that's going to be the key to defeating them, is to either give them what they want. Which is probably the answer to doing to begin with. (laughs) Destroy what they want. Or find some way to sanctify what they want so that they can't touch it, so they leave. So um, you've got to make... Their strategy is going to be what's... What, what are what they after? Because demons just don't show up for nothing.
2: Ain't that the truth. Or who brought them there? So in, in my original idea when I wrote this out, because I actually wrote this out as a one-page encounter for our patrons, or a one-page adventure for our patrons, and there's much more to it. And what's interesting is how many different things that I came up with of why they care. Um, And one of those things was somebody tried to summon a demon, and it didn't go very well. <laughs> and that guy has something the demons want and he's locked in there with everybody. So the goal was, well, if we can't get in, just we'll make everyone come out. Or kill everyone and get what we want anyway. So now, yes, the players have access to, to features that help them, allow them to heal people. But that's a limited resource. And it eventually will run out, but the demon assault's not going to stop. Yeah. So now the players have to determine uh, decide between trying to learn what it is they want, helping the villagers... And stopping them from killing more people. <laughs> and it just sounded yeah. like so much fun. And I enjoy, I really enjoy. it. Definitely
3: very chaotic. Yes. But that is yeah. part of the, it's pretty much what demons are anyway. They're just very chaotic beings and they because wanton destruction. They like to make deals
2: too. And that was, that's actually part of it too. I don't want to give it away too yeah. much because it's a, a reward for our patron right, right. tiers. But um, yeah. I think this was a lot of fun and BioWarefare is just awesome.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, it definitely has a lot of potential there. Yeah. you can go a lot of places with that one so it would yeah. be an
3: interesting one to run for sure can also take notes from the mongols and catapult dead people over yep oh, oh i didn't even think uh, about that that was a thing that the mongols actually did so it's also
1: spread disease yeah. yeah
3: they they also might be uh, big contributors to uh, the bubonic plague
2: well thing. you can get like <laughs> flying uh flying demons that just grab dead corpses and, tr- yeah, and drop <laughs> just them on drop people them in there oh god
0: because <laughs> I got accused of of uh, be- <laughs> uh, favoritism, I did fight like a Glabrazu.
2: A what? Ooh. I haven't actually used any of those. That's the one yeah. of those powerful demons, right? One of the
0: powerful demons. Yeah. I don't
2: know which one that one is. So, that's so that's I did hilarious. a. Okay. It,
0: it used to be called a type three or type three demon. Back in uh,
2: that's way less cool than zoo or whatever you said.
0: Yeah. But yeah, it, it's a it's a demon type. They've got four arms and. They're mostly melee, but they've got some nasty abilities too. Right, right. So, but it kind of gives. Reading that one will kind of give you an idea of the demon mindset. Right.
2: All right. I'm learning a lot about that right now. So for my game. So all right, I think that'll <laughs> oh, do it for dude. our encounter of the podcast bio warfare. Ian, would you like to tell us about our magic item?
1: Yeah, on huh? deck for our magic. item, we got the oh. For our magic item, we have the amulet of. Aranea, which is a wondrous rare item. Woo. This amulet releases a slight dark light that helps ward off the effects of poisons and diseases while wearing this spider-shaped talisman. It stores the energy, allowing it to be released at a time of the wearer's choosing. You can use your reaction when you're hit with an attack that deals poison damage. The amulet then draws on some of the effects of the poisons from your body, lessening it. And you can also... uh. Store it for your next melee attack. You have resistance to the poison damage until the start of your next turn. Also, the first time you're hit with a melee attack on your next turn... Oh, Also, the next time you hit with a melee attack on your next turn, the target takes an extra 2d6 poison damage and must succeed on a DC 14 con save or be poisoned for one minute. The effect cannot be used again until next dawn. What do you think, Alan?
0: Yeah, I like it. I uh, I think it would be too powerful if it were more than a once per long rest or once per dawn. I agree. But the uh or depending on what level it was used at mm-hmm. or what what level of character it was intended for. It mm-hmm. uh I like the idea of giving some poison resistance. I might wanna limit I might wanna look at limiting that a little bit mm-hmm. to where it could absorb only so much in a given day. Okay. I can see that, but uh, after that, I mean, if it can do two two d six, then maybe it can uh, da- poison damage. Then maybe it can be absorbed twelve points, and maybe right. you could decide instead of doing that damage or doing two d six damage, you could. I've got five points of poison damage saved up in here. Well, I can give five points of poison damage.
2: Okay. So instead of being a dice roll, you can just save up how much you've absorbed and then re- un- release it all at once. Hmm. Yeah. I can see that.
0: It's a thought. I mean, uh, you can do both ways very easily. Right. And both ways are perfectly valid, but I like the idea of giving players a little more control over that. Right. Because then they've got to decide when to use when it.
2: When to use it it. And, when they and right.
0: maybe they can have use it twice because they absorb five here and six there and... Mm-hmm. Then they've got tw- two uses of it, but it's still only a maximum of 12 points.
2: Right. Hmm. Okay. So, it's a thought. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a simple magic item. It's not super fancy. Anybody that listens to the show knows I don't like really long, complex magic items. Um, I like, I'm sim—I'm a simple man. Um, I Honestly, and it takes too much effort to make sure that it's balanced that way. <laughs> but um, right. I think that'll do it for our magic item, the Amulet of Aranea. <sighs> Austin, would you like to tell us about our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast?
3: I sure can. Uh, it is the Random Encounters Reinforced Campaign Themes. That is our Dungeon Master tip this now, time.
2: Now, anybody that knows, I hate random encounters. I don't generally true. use them. But when I do use them, I make sure to follow this tip. Because it's important. And it's from Cobalt Press, I believe.
3: Uh, yeah. Um... The random encounters and, by extension, small quest hooks can remind players of the major themes of the campaign. Keep in mind, these encounters don't have to be combat encounters. For example, if your campaign features an ongoing war between two nations, you might design random encounter tables to reinforce the ever-present nature of the conflict. In friendly territory, your tables might include, uh... Bedraggled draggled troops uh, returning from battle, refugees fleeing invading forces, heavily guarded caravans full of weapons, and uh, lone messengers on horseback riding for the front lines. While characters are in hostile territory, the tables might include battlefields littered with the uh, recently slain or uh, armies of evil humanoids on the march and uh, improvised <laughs> gibbets? Gibbets? Sure. Uh, holding the bodies of deserters who tried to flee the conflict. Um...
2: What do you think about this, Austin?
3: I think because I think me and you actually had a, it reminded me of uh when I was going to DM for uh, my family, that I was gonna do a whole big like uh you know, like uh demons and angels kinda of, or ever-present conflict thing yeah, going like on. Like see them
2: constantly flying yeah. overhead and, and like I explosions would explosions of power release. And, and shit. what
3: it kinda reminds me of that is this this is more of a, a obviously way more sophisticated form of this, where I have an actual table, I can roll like a Dean 20 mm-hmm. and Uh, in this case, uh, there's some guards that are on the way and you, you see them, but obviously you're not, uh, automatically in battle with them. Maybe you can just like kind of sneak by, pass by, talk without all sorts of things first. And that's where I kind of thought like, well, when I had the whole like, uh, angels and, uh, demons thing going on, I was just kind of like, uh, how long has it been? It's been about ten minutes since anything happened. Uh, yeah, you just kind of feel the. I roll like a. I think it was like a, a D six or something like that. And if it was any, if it was high, it was really loud. And if it was low, it was really tiny. And one time I rolled a six, and I said, uh, "You guys just hear a house literally explode really right behind know. you," and they're like, "What was that?" And, you just, and I was like, "Well." uh roll roll perception
2: <laughs> <laughs> a demon just kicked an angel's ass and it flew and it into just, a
3: building yeah and you're just kind of like ah, that was really unfortunate and it's fun too because all the all the townspeople were just kind of okay with it obviously they were getting like help and they were trying to put out the fires and stuff but they were like <laughs> eh, this horrible. is yeah this is
4: unfortunately
3: um, the battlefield for them
2: <laughs> alan do you use uh random encounters
3: I wouldn't call them random encounters
0: because I plan like five or six of them and yeah. then I've, when the time comes right, I pick them. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. use them a lot to introduce uh, NPCs.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So Good they, way to do it. Right. Sometimes they get to rescue an NPC and now they've got someone who can help them. Uh, they were taking too long. I had a group that was taking way too long to get to from point A to point B and a guy guy in a wagon was running through and uh, they were going through Orc Country and it's like, this guy's a lone guy running through it. So they had a whole long conversation about how on earth do you stay stay safe in Orc Country driving this wagon by yourself? And he's like, bread? I said, what? (laughs) (laughs) Bread. He goes, Orcs don't till fields. Orcs don't make grain. Orcs don't bake bread. They love it. So I buy a bunch of Dales and they
2: <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's awesome. That's... I love that. That's genius. So we gotcha, had a That's long, brilliant. We had a
0: long role play encounter where they were talking about this, that. And we got to the next place with this conversation. And I was also kind of gave them a tip about, you know, if next time you run into or- orcs, if you're not immediately hostile to them and maybe you've got some extra bread in your sack, they might be willing
3: <laughs> to buy them off. Oh,
4: that's <laughs> they funny. can
3: get gold. Right. They, yeah. can't, they can't get bread. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's really, that's so smart, actually.
4: Yeah. That's The, that the right cleverness
3: there. of just like. Having, like, you know the culture and, like, so you know what to resources to bring with you <laughs> with to get you. out of certain encounters and stuff. Hey, it's look, don't smart. kill
2: me. You can have bread. Well, technically, we can we can kill you and take the bread anyway. <laughs> Why, if you don't? Yeah, but then but
3: you then won't bring any more. And I won't be coming back. <laughs> right. And then they're like, oh. Yeah. Small fry smart. We like guy. Bring more bread next time. <laughs> here Here is change. Um, I... <laughs>
0: Every time he go every time he drives his wagon up his little uh, travel wagon through he has a big old bag of day old rolls <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think he brought when, him a cake once. He brought the chief a cake once. they got <laughs> and they actually gave him stuff. <laughs>
2: That's cool. That's awesome. I love that play. So uh, I like. Uh, I don't like random encounters generally. I think that if you are going to use them, making sure they're telling the story around you guys, around your players and your world is important, um, rather than just randomly rolling on a thing and running into an owl bear. Not super fan of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So. Um, if you do
0: use them, you need to roll the treasure beforehand. <laughs>
2: <Because> <laughs> I got a lightning sword that way. If
0: their if their items are, I mean, if their items they can use, they will use them. Yes, yes, we mm-hmm. that that's been so You DM need to know what repeatedly. they got. Plus, yes. it saves time during the session. Definitely. Yeah,
2: that'll do it for our dungeon master tip of the podcast. Uh, random encounters reinforce campaign themes. Our player tip of the podcast is don't Don't be a a dick dick. and you can avoid dickitude by changing the conditions of the encounter. The biggest example of this is the Kobayashi Maru thing, uh, encounter from Star Trek. Um, if you don't know what that is, basically it's a simulation in Star Trek where they can't win, right? There's no win condition. Um, and so here comes a big bad, um. Kirk. Kirk. Yeah. I almost want to say Picard because the things on my, just showed up on my (laughs) Netflix. Um, Kirk comes in here and he, he changes the the system to work in his favor and he, he broke the system players. You can do that as well. Um, and it's, it, it's so interesting. The amount of, we've talked before about the power that the players have the DM designs, the encounter, but you can break it in a way that is in your favor. So, A couple of good examples is if the enemies are expecting you, you know, the big barbarians making a lot of noise or knocking down doors, stepping on nails that were on the other side of the door, (laughs) um, instead change it from just going into where they're expecting you find a way to flush them out. Something that we've done in our games is we smoked the enemy out. Eventually they start choking. They come piling out, you know, uh, how about the, you know, the PCs, you know, set up camp outside and. Uh, of the enemy's camp and, and, and lure them away, making noises, using dancing lights. If dancing lights starts dancing around out in the distance, they're going to get up and walk and go take a look and investigate.
0: Right. John Wayne in True Grit.
2: Yes. They, uh,
0: plugged the chimney and then smoked them out. Yep. Mm-hmm
2: then that that's that's those Perfect. are the those are the sorts of things as a player you can do, and you can even take this to an extreme limit. Let's say an enemy takes a person hostage because that doesn't ever happen in our game, right? Oh, yeah, and they never. try they try to use it for leverage. Now you know the claret can resurrect somebody, so eh, rogue just turns, pops the the victim, then goes after the enemy. All leverage is gone because you know you can resurrect them. That's not the best scenario, <laughs> but it is. You're taking away mm. the 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 the, what, the status the one quo thing
3: that they are leveraging, yeah. right?
2: And yeah. because you know you can get away around it, and you have that power as a player. Uh, what
3: what would you do if they if you did do that? What would you do as the uh, the guys who had the hostage? I guess how because I know uh, you do well, would... would would you have them in shock? Would you
2: probably be like, "Uh, that's savage." Yeah. <laughs> I've wanted
3: yeah. a deal pray i do not do so again
2: <laughs> yeah um, that,
0: that's the uh, speed tactic yes. Shoot the hostage
2: yeah <laughs> um and no i'm not like i said uh, i don't think that's the best example but i mean that's for an a rogue it might thing. be yeah the rogue might not care <laughs> paladin <laughs> might have another problem it's like oh you can resurrect them later it'd be fine um well I all right if
0: you shoot shoot them in the leg and now they can't move as well you've just slowed down their entire group
1: yeah or with my that's po- a- or my parakeet here. Oh, you have a hostage? What makes you think I care?
3: Right, right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: it's another thing too. It's like, what if the players don't care about the hostage?
2: Well, that was just an example. Yeah. So we can move, to, we yeah, can yeah, move yeah. to something else. So let's say uh you're 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 hunting uh I know how much Alan loves dragons. You're hunting a dragon because you know they're you, your party just thinks they're badass and they're up to the task. Level 20, they've got three boons from deities, they're ready for this challenge. And um, well you get there and you're, they're ready to slam. What is it you did recently to a dragon to, uh, buy, to bypass the encounter entirely. So th- obviously the goal was to fight the dragon, but you, you
1: changed it. How did you do that? Ian? Well, I was running a force of cleric. And I, at that point could cast a fabricate spell and like, Hey, if you uh, don't fight us, I'll use my, uh, bag of holding full of gold here to create a statue of you. <laughs> and
2: but- then you didn't have to fight a dragon. Cause guess what? <laughs> Dragons are hordey little bastards,
1: and then... Yeah. and quite vain too. Yeah, right. So a golden statue I in did their fight, fight like
3: a red dragon.
2: Ooh, I have to check that out. I like it. <laughs> That's smart. Though. So yeah, they're I mean, just
3: like, hey, you. Here's this for you, and they're like, you
2: know, I like you. <laughs> yeah, I mean that you're you're. And, and that's a good example of a player altering the, the design, because the DM honestly d- probably didn't expect that. They expected this to probably come to Fisticuffs, right? And the player said, well, what is a way I can get around this? And you can do that. You have that power as a player. So consider the Kobayashi Maru next time you're in a scenario that you, A, don't think you can win, or B, you don't want to deal with. So yeah, have you ever run anything like this, Alan?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a uh, encounter on a uh, ship setup where they had a, a bunch of ghouls and gas that were ready to take it in, and they were. And my players said, uh, "No," <laughs> and they backed off.
4: <laughs> they like, took
0: one look and they said, "No." They backed away from that. They. They basically uh, put on their sh- they put on their shoes and they ran away because they said there ain't no way we're gonna fight these guys and win.
2: <laughs> and sometimes that's the they best actually, strategy. Mm-hmm. They might have
0: been able to, but it would have been a horrible encounter. And then because they were afraid that they, they knew it was about time for a long rest anyway, uh-huh. um, they found a an abandoned building because it was an abandoned seashore Because of course. There's ghouls there, right. yeah, and they hid in the attic, and i i had to i had to pull an encounter in the attic out of my ass to give them something
2: to do. there, everyone. Why don't we uh, take a five minute break because uh, I have to get my thoughts together. <laughs> <laughs> just
4: so. uh, uh, uh. I,
0: uh, I, just gave him a, uh, I gave him a mirror that had somebody's or there was an image in it, and they had all kinds of things cuz they could only work with sign language.
2: Oh, that's cool. I love that. And
0: it was one of the, it was one of those mirrors that was on a, a round mirror on a stilt uh-huh. and the rogue decided they were going to go back and see what was in these chest of drawers behind there.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: and so I had the mirror flip on them.
2: <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> um so, um, but it was a fun encounter. Yeah, oh, yeah I can imagine. In, in That's something to consider as a player. You can alter the rules of engagement. We talk about you always have the option to run away. That's not always true, but mostly it should be. There should always be alternates, but you take, the mo- take time to think about it and figure out what you can change in the situation to shift the status quo. So I think that'll do it for our player tip. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by changing the conditions of an encounter. That'll do it for our show today. Um, before we close out today, uh, Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and give yourself one more plug real quick before we close out?
0: Uh, on Facebook, the uh, it's Dungeons & Dragons Fundamentals. It's a Facebook group. I've actually got anyone who... It, I mean, the rules are fairly easy. I mean, I want it to be family-friendly. Hmm. Uh I have Automap. If you answer our three questions, which are basically what are you here for? Uh, name one monster so you have some they have something that you could show. and then agree that being here is a privilege, not a right. Because yeah, be if dick. you're not gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna be, if you get if you're a dick, you're gonna get kicked
2: <laughs> <laughs> in the dick. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. pretty simple, and the group is so helpful and so nice, and you're so, always on top of it. So
0: yeah, and it I've got wonderful moderators who help me out and keep it going and sit, and everyone there is just really working to make sure to help new players and older players learn how to play the game a little bit better.
4: Right. Mm-hmm. I like
0: that. Or give you some ideas on what you what can help you play the mm-hmm. game better.
2: Mm-hmm. Alrighty. We'll definitely check out Alan. Thank you so much again for coming on the show. Please join us on our next episode. We will be discussing adaptable NPCs. This is Ooh. quickly becoming one of my favorite supplements from DMs Guild. Um, I can't wait to talk about it. The newest one just came out so I went back and got Got them both. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> if you have any feedback on our tips and tricks, topics you'd like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at CritAcademy at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram at CritAcademy.
3: Uh, we hope you enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can uh, help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes or just send us a message telling us telling us how much you enjoy the show. It really helps this guy's ego, and uh, be sure to give us a like and a share.
2: I like being told how awesome I am. That's why I married Alicia, because she does, tells me all the time.
1: Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com. <laughs> Follow us on twitch.tv CritAcademy and subscribe on YouTube so we can help you on your future adventures as well as give you a chance to win cool prizes each and every week. Make sure to check out our fellowship members there as well. I am your host, Justin.
2: I am your guest, Alan. I'm your co-host, Ian.
3: And I, I guess I'm your co-host, Austin.
2: Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes.